need to like a you problem. You should up your gains, as they say in the I gym should. community. I should. I should start working out again. Just pump an iron. Just lifting weights. But instead, I'm up in your get gains. Drunk. I need sketty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do the exact opposite of that. I think the, it's better. Up my carbs. I think it's better for you. <laughs> Not getting exposed to COVID, getting hammered and eating sketty. <laughs> <laughs> I am tired today. Oh, I'm gonna find some day. energy. You better dig deep. I was so cold last night. I don't know how you weren't freezing. That's how I like it, though. <laughs> like, I like being cold and then burying myself under a blanket, but, like, I had to get up in the middle of the night to go get a blanket because you occasionally fall asleep with, like, one knee up in the air and, like, just sleep <laughs> with one leg, like, propped up. I don't know how. Um... But you did that last night, and because it's been, like, kind of warmer here lately, uh, we've just had just one little, like, thin bed sheet on the bed, and that's it. Mm -hmm. So Brett falls asleep with one leg propped up. <sighs> is there you on each other awake? Um, falls asleep with one leg propped up, which is propping the one tiny little bed sheet up and allowing air from the very cold night we had last <laughs> night to flow right under the bed sheet and right onto me. But it felt so nice this morning when I woke up, grabbed my cup of coffee, and then bundled my little ass back up <laughs> in the bed. And I said, yeah. oh yeah, we live in Montana. It's yeah. becoming evident this time of year. I had to work today, so I didn't have that uh, joyous <laughs> moment. So I woke up at 2.30 in the morning, freezing, and for like a brief moment, I was like, I'll just, I'll suffer through it. I'll curl up into a ball yeah. and fall back asleep, and I'll be fine. And then I glanced at the clock just because I was curious what time it was and realized I still had several more hours I could sleep. And I was like, no, I'm going to go get a blanket. <laughs> so I crawled over you and got a blanket and crawled back into bed and bundled myself up. <laughs> I didn't even notice. <laughs> didn't wake me. <laughs> and you, uh, yeah, you seemed content. So I was like, I'll just let him be. <laughs> I'm just going to have this blanket to myself. Also outweigh you by like 115 pounds. <laughs> I did at one point, though, like you kind of rolled over. And, like, put your leg down, so I tossed the bed sheet back over on top mm -hmm. of you. I was like, it's cold in here. Like, cover up. <laughs> You're going to die. It's 50 degrees. <laughs> You're going to die of frostbite. <laughs> so, yeah. But I didn't. And you didn't die at work today. So we're here to bring you yet another edition of the 222 Star, 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 222 Tuesdays, Days, Days. Welcome to the Nightmare Box. Presenting Mistakes Were Made. This is another edition of the Two Star Tuesday. If you're not familiar with the format, get ready, bitch. We're here today to talk about 2014's 13 Sins, and I'll be fucked if I don't love this goddamn movie. It was really good. Um, mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm trying to think of how I want to say this, I guess. like It's like, take a sip of beer, waits for dead silence. <laughs> no, I, like, it didn't feel like as high budget as a movie like yeah. Saw or something was, um, but definitely like well, the as original much... Saw was probably on par production wise. It's just the original Saw didn't have like explosions and a lot of action sequences and shit. It was the trap scenes. Yeah, but but I mean, um, honestly, I haven't even looked at the budget for this. Actually, I guess I shouldn't talk. I have no idea what the budget is. Um, but yeah, it didn't feel. Like, it had the level of budget as those type of movies, but, mm -hmm. like, the same level of heart and, like, um, I would imagine for whoever wrote this, definitely probably a passion project. It yeah. was a hell of a movie. Well, it was a remake of a Thai film, right? If I remember correctly. 13 Beloved? 
Oh, it's right there on the thing. It says based on 13 Below, but I don't know if it's yeah. a book or a I, movie. I, I clicked over to that Wikipedia page earlier when I was doing my research, and uh, it opens the same way, but some of the challenges are different. So he does need to kill and eat a fly, but in the Thai version, he has to make three or five children cry. And then at one point, he has to eat a plate of feces that's served to him in a Chinese restaurant. Ew. Yeah. Gross. So it might be lo- worth looking into. 2006's 13 Beloved. But this is 2014's 13 Sins that I, we're talking about today. Yeah, you don't have to watch anybody eat poop. <laughs> um, uh, this was one of our movies. We fudged it a little bit. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics gave it a 65%, which I would still say is pretty low. Mm-hmm. Uh, the audience gave it a 45%, though, which is low enough. <laughs> <laughs> to justify because so. <laughs> that takes five off the critics, adds five to the audience, throws uh-huh. us in you know, a good 50 to 60% range. I'll count it. Fuck yeah. it. I'm not good at math. <laughs> and then the IMDb score was 6.3. So uh, overall, rated lower, honestly, than I feel like I would have given it. This whole movie, we kept going, it's going to shit the bed. It didn't shit the bed. Holy fuck, I love this film. I think the ending is probably a little bit more comical than I expected, yeah. but um, I probably would have given it a solid 80%. Yeah, it didn't hit you and leave. Like, he should have killed his brother. But, but, but uh, if you've not seen it yet, <laughs> stop here. Uh, one and a two and a one, two, three, four. It should have ended on the punch of him having to kill his mentally disabled brother and then cut to black. It shouldn't have ended with the cop coming into the room, him shooting the cop, and then like this four. Or I would have even settled with an ambiguous. Or just let it end there and not go home for the, you know. I would have even settled with an ambiguous. He calls his wife and his wife's like, I got the weirdest call. And, you know, they asked me to eat a fly and him going, well, what did you say? And her going... What did I say? And you see the fly on the napkin and then cut to black at that. Like, yeah. so we never know his wife's answer. That would be perfect. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like, I guess maybe that would defeat the purpose of his character or his wife's character kind of being like this singular good person in mm-hmm. this whole movie. So maybe that's why they wanted it to be obvious what her choice was. I personally probably would have left it ambiguous and been like, oh, yeah. is he going to have to go through all this shit again? But now his wife's the one doing it. Yeah. Let it go dark. Yeah. <laughs> um, Directed uh, and written by, as one of the co-writers, Daniel Stamm. Um, He hadn't really done too, too much writing-wise that I was familiar with. Um, I think he had only done one episode, but just as a point Mm -hmm. of interest, he did uh, the TV show Scream. Did uh, he... Directed an episode of it. Did he direct The Last Exorcism? I think that was his debut. I don't have that down here. I know he didn't direct so, yeah. Paranormal Activity, yeah, but I could have sworn what I was reading earlier that he directed The Last Exorcism. What is The Last Exorcism? Uh, one of the many shitty sequels to The Exorcist that nobody respects. Oh, see, yeah. I didn't write that down because I was like, I don't even know what that is. Yeah, he definitely didn't direct Paranormal Activity, but I think he might have directed. I didn't even see that. Uh, I thought this was more interesting, though. The other writer, David Burke, wrote mm-hmm. Slenderman. Hell yeah. I haven't seen Slenderman, so I don't know if it's any good or not. I'm, I'm not familiar with it either. Did he write the creepypasta or did he write the movie? The movie, the 2018 okay. movie. Yeah, so he wrote the screenplay or whatever for that. So, fun fact there. Uh, I, to be honest, did this in a rush at work, so I didn't look up any <laughs> of the production company I was stuff. looking for my character names that I'm going to have to do here in a minute. Um, I didn't look up any of the production company stuff, so you're on your own with that. Yeah. 
The box office, it does not have the budget on here, interestingly. The box office in the U.S. was only 13000 13809 yeah. Must have been one of those April horror films. Yeah, I'd literally never heard of this movie. Um, it released in March, so yeah, you were... <laughs> and then April is in the U.S. God damn it. I am good. I know... I know when you drop a film like this. At least in March. Got it. Your low-budget horror films are always going to drop at a weird time in the summer. It <laughs> released in March at South by Southwest, uh-huh. um, and then just I guess nationally in the U.S. in April. So that is hilarious. Yep. You don't um, drop a lot of really good horror films in the summer. Do you know why? Because the kids are out of school, so parents are taking their kids to go see movies. So you get a lot of good Pixar's in the summer. Uh, fall is for the horror films. The more I guess you know. April is still spring, but I don't know my seasons. Who gives a shit? Seems like a weird time of year to release that in general. And yeah, I'd never heard of this movie at all until we stumbled across it. So sad about that because it was pretty good. Hell yeah. Uh, so our character list, is that where we're going now? Yeah. Are you okay? Are you here with me? I'm is tired everything going to be all right? I'm, I can tell. I'm going to chug some beer. I'm super tired. Go for it. Chug a beer. Uh, first we have Mark Weber. He's playing Elliot Brindle, our main character. Uh, he is the only person on this whole list that hadn't done anything at all that I was familiar with, but I was scrolling through his movie list and this cracked me the fuck up. He was in a movie called Good Dick. Yeah, I was curious why you wrote that down on the paper. Yep. He was, he was in a movie <laughs> so called like, Good Dick. It's like, is he a porn star? What is going on here? Uh, it looked like it might have been a horror movie just by the cover of it. Because yeah. it's like this girl like looking all forlornly down. That is massive um, dick. But yeah, I was just scrolling through everything he had done to be like, does any of this sound familiar? And then I stopped at that and I was like, I'm writing that down. Hell yeah. I have no idea what it is. It may be a fantastic movie. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> And then you've got Devin Gray as Michael Brindle, Elliot's challenged brother. He was in American Horror Story, and then he played, uh, like, Teenage Dexter in the Dexter TV show. He was Teenage Dexter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even pick up on that. I fucking love that show. I, like, I saw his IMDb picture, and I was like, he actually looks super familiar. And yeah, like, in the face, but he must have gained weight for the role. Like... Or he just gained weight since he was teenage Dexter. It's going to sound a little insensitive, but like a pretty decent portrayal of like a handicapped person in this movie. Because like... He's he's competent. He's adult, you know, Down syndrome type thing or or whatever it was that he was suffering from. I don't know if they ever said. I'm not going to dive into it any further, so I don't, you know... Offend people. Offend people. I thought it was a pretty decent portrayal. And like I saw his IMDb photo and I was like, oh... Like, I feel like I know this guy from stuff, and I would not have, like, pegged that with his performance in this movie. Like, he blended in. He did it really well. And then you got Tom Bauer, played Samson Brindle, Elliot and Michael's cold and abusive father. This was probably not his most interesting movie, but I thought Brett would appreciate it. He did Die Hard 2. Hell fucking yeah. (laughs) Was he, uh, Die Hard 2? Which one was that? Do you remember what character he played? I don't. Is that the one where he has to go through the black community with the hardcore offensive sign? I think Hans's brother comes back in Die Hard 3. I just know you like Die Hard, so I that's why I wrote Hard. it down. And then you've got Rutina Wesley. She plays Shelby, Elliot's pregnant fiance. She was in the TV show, Hannibal. Which we're currently watching. So I don't think we've gotten to... Where she is. We're yeah. still in season one, I think. Which, I mean, we've only watched it 
like as far as we've gotten once, so we may have potentially seen her, and I just didn't recognize her, but... We should do that again tonight for Spaghetti Night. Hannibal. Let's do it. Hannibal. And then you've drastically uh, misrepresented our next performer, Ron Perlman. I wrote this down because it was literally one of the first movies. If you pull up his IMDb, usually they list first, like, your most... Yeah recognized roles uh his was hellboy and i just thought that was funny ron perlman he has a huge career <laughs> ron perlman of sons of anarchy fame <laughs> i just thought it was funny because like usually on the imdb it'll show like four movies as like the featured yeah. movies and it's usually what you're most known for and then i'll kind of scroll through to see if there's anything else but he, imdb thinks hellboy is what matters he played jax's father and, like, the devil of the goddamn take, club. Take it up with IMDb. The best kill in the whole fucking show. The absolute badass Ron Perlman. He plays Detective Chilcote, which is a cool name. Chilcote. And then George Coe as the game voice. A deceptively cheerful voice that gives challenges to the game. So, uh, I did not recognize this dude's picture on IMDb, but whenever I was scrolling through his stuff, he... Seems to have made a pretty decent career of voice acting. Did voice acting. I saw when I was looking earlier, he was in Star Trek for a time. He did Skyrim, and that was what I was excited about. <laughs> like, a lot of the voices in Skyrim are, like, the same people, like, voicing different characters. Yeah. So it just had this long list of all the characters in Skyrim he had voiced, and I love Skyrim. So. Hell fucking yeah. I've only seen it played once. Yeah, well, you're a loser. <laughs> no, but I watched you play it, and you were doing really well. then you got Pruitt Taylor Vince as Vogler the conspiracy theorist and that's uh he's in a lot of stuff too he's had a very accomplished career but IMDB thought Constantine was his most prominent is that the Keanu Reeves film yeah yeah where they fight angels and devils I think he's an archangel Keanu is but I'm not sure what's going on there I've never seen Constantine you've never seen it well, if I have, it was, like, on an airplane once. Like, <laughs> I've never bought it. Movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I'd go out of my way to buy it, but it's a pretty decent movie. How does it stand up against The Devil's Advocate? You've see never it. seen The Devil's Advocate? The, the one where it had Al Pacino? Oh, my Christ. It's like you're uncultured. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. Uh, synopsis. Keanu plays a lawyer. <laughs> synopsis. I think he was a lawyer. Keanu was a lawyer in Devil's Advocate. Oh, I thought you meant in Constantine. It's like, how are you going to tell me he's not? I know for a fact that Al Pacino owns... A, you've never even seen the fucking film. Like, Al Pacino... I thought you Al Pacino, Constantine. Al Pacino owns a law firm. He gets this, like, Alabama or Mississippi guy. Okay, what does that have to do with this movie? Uh, I don't know. It's better than Constantine. You've never seen it. Al so Pacino is better than Pruitt Taylor Vince. You take that back. No. Um, Sorry. You. So, premise here. Uh, our main character, Elliot, is kind of down on his luck. He has a handicapped brother that he tries yeah. to take care of. His dad has recently basically run out of money. He's got a black fiance that's pregnant, that they're in the middle of trying to get married. And, um... And his dad's a racist. Yeah, his yeah. dad's a hyper, hyper racist uh, piece of shit. So, um, there's a lot of stress in general, and he thinks he's gonna get promoted his job. He gets fired from his job. And his boss tells him off and basically tells him he's not a man. Yeah. Um, and on his way home, he's just sitting, like, at a red light all by his lonesome just waiting even though there are no cars like doesn't have the personality type to run the red light he gets the strange phone call that's from... a very interesting detail but we'll get into that yeah 
um, gets this phone call from a game show that's like basically like, yeah, if you want to play this game, all you have mm-hmm. to do is complete these little mini challenges, and at the end, you're going to be very, very rich. And the very first challenge is something simple, just kill a fly. Yeah. And then it progresses to bigger violent acts yeah. and kill like kill the fly, eat the fly, yeah. make a child cry, arson, like, yeah. and eventually to Get killing the homeless other people. man's clothes. Yeah. So. uh the premise of the movie is basically how far would you go um, for six point two million dollars? Yeah, to better your own life, <laughs> or to take care of the people in your life. So, yeah. pretty interesting premise, to be honest. Well, the first thing that I wanted to get into here, and I don't know if this is going to work, but I want to run it by you. I didn't see it in any of the reviews that I read today, and when we do these, I like to read a lot of reviews so I can see what people's problems were that I might not have had mm-hmm. an issue with. And I didn't see this angle taken by any of the critics. Um, I, I haven't read all of the reviews, mind you, so I'm not, not claiming that this is... You've not read all the reviews in the world? No, not in one day. That would be ridiculous. What's wrong with you? But I thought that this had a lot... Like It, it was kind of like the Milgram experiment flipped on its head. Are you familiar with the Milgram? Uh, I don't think I knew that, or I don't think I remember that's what it was called, but after I read your notes on yeah. there, I do know what it is. So, so basically... probably expand for the audience. So basically, in the Milgram experiment, and I forgot to write down the school, but it was probably like Harvard or Berkeley or one of the many places that was doing these crazy fucking experiments back then. Uh, they were trying to figure out how you could get the people in Nazi Germany to go along with the Holocaust as it was happening, you know? How far would you comply? Was kind of his question that he wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. So he he, put, he would put up a, a a wall or put him in a separate room. Can't remember. I think that might have been speaking through intercoms. Um, and your subject would be sitting next to an actor who was playing a doctor in a white coat. And you couldn't question the doctor in the white co- coat. Uh, he was given four lines to refute any attempt that you would make at getting away from the experiment itself because basically in 15 volt um, increments you would punish a person on the other side of the wall who was also an actor um, until basically they died quote unquote on the other side of the wall and stopped answering you all together at 450 volts Um, out of that all of the participants, I think there were like 40-something participants, all of them administered at least 300 volts of electricity, and 60, 65% of them went all the way to 450 That's volts. Crazy. So more killed the actor than didn't kill the actor in this can't-question-the-man-in-the-white-robe <laughs> experiment. I saw a video once, I think it was just like a you know, like, punked-type TV show where it's just, like, they do this ridiculous thing and see if they can get people to go along. It wasn't punked, literally, but, like, one of those type of reality show things where um, they had a bunch of actors in a lobby in, like, a doctor's office or something like that waiting. And um, I can't remember if it was, like, after a certain amount of time or if there would be like a ding or something that would happen everybody would stand stand up up. yeah Yeah. (laughs) somebody would actually come into that office like to actually just see the doctor and they'd kind of sit and look around for the first few times and be like what the hell why is everybody doing this and then after a few times they would start standing up isn't that part of push or by the same guy who did push 
Okay, you and I have had this conversation the other day. The push that I know is a superhero movie. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, there was this illusionist or psychologist, something like that, know. where, yeah, he starts a guy off in a party and he's the only one that's not an actor. And at the end, they try to get him to shove a guy off the roof of the party. No. I think that they, they at least brought up that video in that film. Yeah, what I'm thinking of is something else. It was just like a little TV yeah. show or something. But but anyway, yeah. I thought that this film was like a kind of a... Does that make sense that it would be a sort of take on the Milgram? Where it's like, okay, well, you've accepted responsibility for 200 volts. Let's see if we can't get you in a 15 increment to 300 volts. Okay, now you've accepted 300. He's damn near dead anyway. Why not fucking finish him off? Go ahead. (laughs) I like that in this movie in particular, though, there are outside stressors that make it a little bit more believable that this yeah. character would do absurd stuff like the initial swatting the fly and eating the fly don't seem horribly far-fetched. I would do that in a heartbeat <laughs> for a grand. Yeah. yeah, for the amount of money they give him it doesn't seem horribly far-fetched because I think to eat the fly he gets like $3,000 or something yeah. to wipe out his wife's or his fiance's credit card debt. Um, but after he does I think the vandalizing the nativity scene or whatever it is is like his first real like crazy thing. Yeah. And um, he just takes it outside and he thinks, oh, it's just a harmless little structure. I'm not really hurting anyone. I'm going to burn it. Accidentally catches part of the building on fire. So mm-hmm. then it's escalated to this real world. I've committed arson yeah. and that's a felony and I'm in serious trouble. So like, I like that he has these two side by side factors going of I want to take care of the people that I love and I'm also in serious trouble now. So. Yeah. Uh, might as well just keep going at this point. Well, my, well that, that, that is like my favorite part about this film is it's a completely absurd premise. What this guy, the escalation that he goes through is nuts. But you've established the world that this character lives within and it's so supported by the characters, which is why I, I, I'm, I'm in for the ride. You've given me the rules. That's why I have a problem with maybe the last five minutes of an hour and a half long film. But you've established that Elliot has recently been fired. He's crazy in debt. He can't take care of his brother, who's got a mental handicap. He can't take care of his fiance, who is trying to make into his wife. She's a black woman living at home with the racist dad that he's also trying to care for. You establish this level of real-world pressure that I think brings up a moral dilemma as to, like, if you're inside of that same set of stressors how far would you go yeah watching the film even it's like man right up into the point where i have to kill my handicapped brother i think i could justify my way through almost every part of well, this after a certain point in the movie like i i don't know that i would have even eaten the fly to be honest because bugs freak me out but like it's, it's a dead fly it's not a living fly yeah but bugs in general freak me out we're eating um, sausages later um but like after a certain point you kind of hit a a point of no return either way like even if morally you have a problem with taking a dead body to a diner and sitting that dead body up body up at the diner like if morally you're like i cannot desecrate this corpse this is where full stop i'm done um at this point he's already quote unquote 
you know, committed child abuse, which I don't know that saying. Yeah. He scammed a homeless yeah. man out of his clothes with an ostrich, which I thought was the funniest part of the whole fucking movie because we never get to see that play out on yeah, stage. I have no idea how that happened. <laughs> and he's already committed arson. And, like, at this point, the cops already have, like, sketches of him. So at this point, which I don't know if he knows at that point whenever he takes the dead body or not. I know he gets a phone call and he's like, oh, by the way, they're on yeah, to they, you. Yeah, they know all about him. But, at yeah, at some point he gets that call where it's like, look. You can't go back anymore. If you keep going forward, yeah. we'll erase these records. Because he left his library so, card in the diner. Yeah, so when you get to the point where it's down to murder, like it makes it a little more plausible that you would cave yeah. to murder because at that point it's like, I can't go backwards anymore. Yeah. At this point, I have to push forward because I'm already looking at like 30 years. Yeah, so it, it makes the inevitable kind of ridiculous ending to it a lot more plausible because mm-hmm. it's not... Just, I'm going to get a bunch of money. If I keep going forward, it's, I'm going to get a bunch of money. I'm not going to go to jail. Like, my life is ruined if I don't keep going. So I, I don't know where I tap out. Except for at the killing. But even that was justified. Like, all of his violence is justified to a level. You know, even the killing of his own brother. He is doing it in self-defense. I think... It's not like he intentionally killed his brother. He was he was going to intentionally kill his dad. And in that situation where it's revealed that his dad was also a player in the game before and killed their mother, leaving him in this fucked up situation in the first fucking place. I, I, no issues. Put a bullet in his head. Fucking win the game. You know, call it clean. So, you know, I... I don't know if I could kill my brother even if he was trying to kill me. <laughs> Outside of that, yeah, I've, I've had a bully. You know, if he's screaming the same shit he used to scream at me and I've had a really long day, I'd cut his fucking arm off. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to hunt him down to do it, but if the opportunity ever presented itself... I do <laughs> like that about the main character, though. Um, uh, his violence is mostly towards people that have wronged him. Like, he does say the mean thing to the kid but i guess like in the grand scheme of things he can kind of justify that by being like this kid probably in yeah. 10 years isn't even gonna remember i made five thousand dollars made a girl in the park cry yeah. once like, she's probably not gonna remember me or remember this moment yeah, later on in life being, your dress is dumb yeah it's mission <laughs> accomplished five grand <clears throat> um but other than that like for the most part his violence is towards people that have either already hurt him or can't actually be hurt. So, like, the desecration of the corpse is pretty fucked up, but that person is dead. But I could see myself doing that under similar circumstances. It's like, here's $250,000. All you gotta do is take this dude who's already killed himself and prop him up in a diner. felony, for sure. (laughs) It is, but for $250,000, I think I'd dress him up like Uncle Bernie's and fucking park his wheelchair next to it and be like, can I get a cup of coffee for my geriatric patient? (laughs) I would definitely have drawn the line way before that, but I'm just saying, like, as far as the main character goes, because we do start to see this side of him where it's like, oh, he's kind of becoming a little evil himself, but his line, full stop, is at actual murder, so whenever he has the task of pulling the um, metal bar up so that it kills the bikers, he can't complete that task. he goes back on it. Yeah, and that's the only time we see him back down, like, he... Hurts a kid's feelings, which, again, in the grand scheme of things, this kid's probably not going to remember it. The corpse that he violates is already a dead person who can't personally be hurt by it. The person whose arm he cuts off is a bully that's hurt him in the past. And so, like, 
all of his actions are geared towards these people either deserve it or they won't know the difference. Yeah, he stole a cop's cup of coffee, but he also prevented that cop from driving around all day with a couple of shots of whiskey in his blood. Well, he stole the coffee because he needed it, not because he cared about it. But he was able to argue his way out of the situation Mm -hmm. by being like, look, how was it going to look if you got a gun strapped to your hip and fucking whiskey on your breath? That's not going to be well. (laughs) But I do do like that because there's this moral how far would you go? And his brother on the flip side, which... I have mixed feelings about that because it paints people who have mental handicaps in a pretty negative light. His brother on the flip side, uh, as far as this movie is concerned, isn't aware of the difference. So his brother keeps doing these awful things because his brother doesn't understand yeah, that he's these more awful things are bad. So mm-hmm. I think the assumption is maybe his brother shoved the old lady down the flight of stairs. Like yeah. I'm very confused. Um, he burned down the mosque was the or whatever the building was i can't yeah. remember the synagogue yeah i think it i'm was sorry i confused the synagogue <laughs> and the mosque but i can't tell the difference <laughs> but <laughs> it's a little ambiguous though to me about whether or not his brother is the only other person also playing because why does he's not because the cop is playing which no, is the revealed. cop's just an employee no the at the very end it's revealed that he was playing the game no he's an employee he says oh. I, I just work here oh he's i like, got you he's like the cleanup guy yeah um, but the dude who gets his arm cut off, is, mm-hmm. I would imagine, has to be playing. Because why would he willingly do that? Yeah. And then the bikers are technically playing. For $100. Yeah, <laughs> they're offered 100 bucks. So there are technically other people in the game, quote-unquote, playing. We just don't know how deep they're playing. Well, that's what I really liked about, you know, speaking of characters and shit like that. You've got this godlike uh, Samson, right? That's No, Elliot. Samson's the, the dad. Elliot. Um no, the the bad guy. Oh, um... So you got, like, this godlike bad dude mm-hmm. who is wiring this entire world that Elliot revolves himself around in, much like a punked episode. It's like, your whole job right now is to go over there and drop that box on your foot and blame the celebrity. <laughs> but they're all in on the game in some level, you yeah. know? But, like, what I was saying a second ago, though, like... Even the old lady takes hostage, and then she reveals that she's actually... Yeah, she's playing, too. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, the thing for me that's, like... Which, yeah, him taking the old lady hostage is kind of him, like, hitting a point where he's kind of snapping Mm -hmm. and going a little crazy himself. But, like, the thing for me that's kind of crazy about this movie that isn't overtly pointed out, um, like I was saying a second ago, is, like, his mentally handicapped brother does not understand the difference. So, like... It's so subtle. I didn't realize it until I was making these notes later. His brother is approached at the wedding um, reception thingy yeah. uh, for exposing himself to a child. And he's like, oh, like I've been off my meds. His brother exposed himself to a child to make a child cry. That's yeah. clearly one of his challenges. For sure. And we kind of subtly gloss over it. It's just like, oh, he's handicapped. He doesn't know any better. He's exposing himself to children. But there's a sinister nature behind the fact that his brother, who doesn't I guess, and it's a little offensive, so I'm not I'm not trying to say that's how mentally handicapped people are, but mm-hmm. the implication in this movie is that his brother doesn't have the ability to discern right from wrong, to know that he could have just said something kind of mean to the kid and made the kid cry. His brother was like, oh, I'll yeah. show him my wee-wee. You but know? we don't like, know what the instructions were given to the person either. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to assume it's probably he was supposed to make a kid cry because yeah. he had similar challenges like burn a thing down or whatever, and his brother i guess is the person we're supposed to assume rehangs the metal wire so his brother willingly kills the bikers i thought that was the old lady i don't 
don't think so. It looked like a dude in a jacket, like a hoodie. I can't remember. It looked like a, a tall, skinny dude. So yeah. we, we don't really get clarity on some of that stuff. So I'm a little confused about some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But hypothetically, if it's his brother, there is this kind of cool... Also kind of awful because his brother's a middle-aged Well, it's a horror like, film. <laughs> like, contrast of, like, Elliot, who is genuinely a decent person at the beginning of this movie, falling into this, like, hellish world and kind of changing who he is, and his brother, who doesn't understand the difference Starts between... Starts off very innocent. Yeah, doesn't, but doesn't understand the difference between right and wrong, so he just keeps making these wrong choices. Yeah. And at the end, still doesn't really quite get what he's doing, so he just keeps doing, like the more horrible version of whatever it is. Mm -hmm. like his Burning brother's... down the whole building yeah. instead of just the shrine. Yeah, <laughs> and his brother's fine with like killing his own brother because it's like, oh, I want to buy you a wedding gift, but doesn't get that his brother will then be dead. Yeah. So it's kind of a crazy contrast. I love it. Like, I think it's a very well-built world. Like, I, I, I'm fucking blown away. I, I, I loved this thing from fucking start to end. Um, I forgot about this too. Like uh, the balls to drop the end bomb. I can't remember what the exact goddamn phrase was. was when they broke that he was a hardcore racist. He was implying it's like that he you was and your n word to... wife. You know, well, he wasn't referencing like the wife. Like the son was talking about moving him to a place that was more affordable, and he was like referencing living in a neighborhood with black people. Yeah. So, yeah, it, and it's. I don't know. I, I, rough. I know it it's I know it's rough, and I know that it's offensive. Like this film is very offensive on multiple fucking levels. But I, I like. But that makes it real because I've met old men like that. But I like too, <laughs> then though the fact that they were willing to go that far. We have that contrast of, like I said, Elliot kind of being this good guy who gets corrupted. His brother kind of being this naive Innocent guy, guy yeah. who doesn't know that he's making bad choices and then the father is just straight up evil. Yeah. Like, he's a bad person, like, racist, horrible dude, willingly kills the wife so he can get, you 6. know... Two. Yeah, <laughs> a bunch of money, and, like, he's totally fine with all of the challenges, and he... Like, the way we get revealed that he's played the game before is he tells his sons that he's proud of them for taking initiative... But then slits his own throat so neither of them can win the game. Yeah. Knowing both of them at this point have committed all these horrible crimes and they're going to go to jail. So he's perfectly fine with not only killing himself but destroying his children's lives. Yeah. It's, like, it's a wild. True evil character. Wild fucking movie. I, my, my, I've got a couple of things here that I, I, I'm going to try to mash together. And we've kind of already covered some of it. I really liked the creativity in the challenges. Um, I've never seen taking a suicided corpse to a diner. That's brand new to me. I've never seen anything like that. Never seen severing your childhood bully's arm or destroying the banquet hall, which was almost a sweet moment to protect his brother. You know, he flipped it on his head. And I like and how they the, got mad about that, too. They were like, no, you can't try to cover this up and act like oh you're just trying to help your brother so your wife doesn't think you're a bad person it's yeah. like you have to take full blame for this crazy act now surrender to the cops yeah because they're <laughs> ultimately trying to destroy his wife's feelings for him too so yeah. it's like at the end of the day you're gonna walk away with this money and be alone but his fiance is looking at it like 
always so brave. You know, like in I think the, she's a little the, put off by it, but she is kind of like, ah. Uh, but it's okay. not like he stood up drunkenly at the table in front of the family and then broke everything. Like from the outside in, there's a moral justification for it. It's like, no, let him run. I'm gonna take this fucking bat. I'm gonna break everything in this goddamn room. And then the setting the wire across the road was an interesting thing for him. He puts the wire there. He doesn't know why. He sees what's going on. He says, fuck that. I'm out of here. And then it happens against as well. And like 10 people get their heads knocked off their fucking shoulders. Very curious that they give him the money for that. Like he gets granted the money and uh, passes on to the next challenge, even though he didn't. Well, isn't that the point where he quits? He, I think he quits afterwards, but, like, at that point, and, and again, I guess maybe it kind of makes the ultimate confrontation a little bit more believable. Mm-hmm. They won't let him quit. They're like, no, you're still playing. Yep, those people still died. You still technically set the trap. <laughs> but how do you think that this guy, this godlike entity um, through the phone that knows where he is at all times... Uh, I get a feeling that it's not a traditional reality show where he's actually being recorded going through this more than it is a bunch of rich people trying to destroy, which we can get into a conversation about economics, but um, somebody of the lower middle class. Well, I think that's um, kind of the point they make, too, though, is that it's a bunch of, like, they make an implication. Millionaires, yeah. yeah that it's, it's a bunch the 1% of poor yeah. rich people just... Like, you're the mouse Very in the hostile. maze. Yeah. You're yeah. just the mouse in the maze. And they're like, go, mouse, go. <laughs> so, uh, you wrote down hostile. Um, but for me, the first one that hits is, of course, Saul. And they both work because you've got the hunting club and hostile. And you've got Jigsaw, who kills to show that you need to fight for your every single day. Mm. How do you think those three work? Like, in a dynamic. Are, are they complementary to one another? Is this borrowing themes from the other two films? Or is this a whole new... Am I making sense? No. I've had a few no, beers. You make no sense ever. Like, um, Jigsaw, he, he, he sets his traps very deliberately. There's no room. He's thought out everything that could happen. When he puts the corpse in the diner and creatively walks his way out of it after basically getting busted, mm-hmm. um, he's just given credit for a challenge mm-hmm. because he stood up to an authority figure, you know. Whereas you're never getting out of Jigsaw's bathroom. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, I don't know, you know, anything about this movie outside of what little I looked up today and. uh you know, if it's based on a whole different movie, then that's kind of hard to say where the yeah, premise of this... Yeah, that's kind of hard to say where the premise of this movie came from without seeing the original. I do think, in general, um, artists are inspired by the people that came before them, so I'm sure there's something probably that provoked this. I don't know that I would necessarily say it's specifically Saw or Hostel or any one particular movie, I think. The no, just idea. a compare. Oh, I put my headphones on backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and then you lost your rubber piece. Oh. I think the idea... Went in without a rubber. <laughs> I think the idea of when you're under pressure, which I noticed you put a note about the frog in boiling water or yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the idea of when you're under pressure, how will you react is pretty 
like a pretty old, pretty common concept. So mm -hmm. I, I think regardless of wherever this was influenced from, like the idea of wanting to protect what's yours is a very basic human instinct in general. So when you add all this exterior pressure to protect that, it is kind of a common... Like but how do you think it plays have. up against Jigsaw? Like, just as a bad guy who's going to make you do all these fucked up things. Because this guy wants you to do them to somebody else who might not necessarily deserve it. See, and that's as more... opposed to Jigsaw, where it's like, this is the person who ran over your child. Yeah. Now their fate is in your hands. Save their life or watch them die. And that's why I put like an aside on this because the honestly the only reason I wrote Saw Meets Hostel is because that was something you had asked me to write when we were taking the original notes. I put like an aside, but the main character only hurts people that directly hurt him because mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that makes this movie unique is Saw is in theory, which I mean it kind of evolves as the movies carry on in theory. Devolves. <laughs> Devolves. Um, in theory, these characters that are already corrupted characters that are then having to win back some form of redemption and they yeah. can take their path to redemption out on other people. Or, like with Hostel, it's pretty fucked up people just hurting other people yeah, it's in million, general. it's millionaires paying to hurt yeah. human trafficked and yeah. with this movie, our main character, like I said earlier, for the most part, only hurts people that in his mind he can somehow justify hurting. Well, they've hurt me or they're not going to know a difference at the yeah. end of the day either way. And our main character starts out as a morally good person and then we have to watch him himself devolve into someone who doesn't make the most moral choices. So I feel like for me that's... Kind of the unique difference here is it's someone who objectively at the end of the day maybe makes choices that they can still to some degree justify yeah. but as each challenge progresses they become less and less justifiable that's we, interesting we see him kind of losing yeah. grip as he goes on like he's excited whenever he gets away from the cop and he whenever the contestant dude calls him he's like did you see that and they're yeah. like yeah we're gonna reward you extra and he's proud of himself and that's a weird a weird dynamic because like amanda well amanda's probably not a good choice if you've not seen the first three solemn films one two three okay so um amanda starts off as a heroin addict she's the opening shot in saw with the bear trap uh going on where she has to what she assumes is her dead cellmate um, she has to get the key for the bear trap out of his large intestine. So she starts stabbing him, and it turns out that he's just woken up. But now she's in a sense of panic. She's already midway through committing the murder. She offs the guy, digs through his intestines, pulls out the key, unlocks herself seconds before it happens. Later on revealed, she becomes infatuated with Jigsaw's work and then moves to take on, and then all the terrible sequels and everything bad that's ever happened to that franchise happens, because <laughs> you can't keep doing that forever. <clears throat> and this is almost like if we followed Amanda through three whole films from Amanda's perspective. Like, does that make sense? Like, if yeah. she was constantly being challenged and there was no lesson to be learned? I think this... 
I think this movie honestly is a bit of a commentary on economics too, though. I think it is as well. Yeah. Because the brother he loses his job right off the bat, and he's buried in debt, and now rich people are making him do horrible things just to live. But then we see, because the brother makes a comment at the very beginning that he doesn't remember the father being bad until the father was successful. Mm -hmm. And then we watch our main character go from this decent person, which granted he hasn't done at the beginning of the movie as traumatic stuff, so some of it's going to be the traumatic stuff that he's done, and he's starting to feel more confidence as he gets away with these horrible actions. But he's also... Um, which is kind of a subtle point in the movie, gaining more money as the movie goes on. Yeah. So he's becoming a worse person as he's becoming richer. And at the end of the movie, huh. once he finishes the game, he's got $6 million, which is more money than a lot of us will ever see in our entire lives. So at the end of the and movie... And then he loses it because he does one wrong thing. Or one right thing. Exactly. Um, but at the end of the movie... Ultimately, he would have been wealthy himself, and he would have also been this bad person. So we kind of see this commentary as the movie carries on that the money is corrupting him. Like he's mm -hmm. amassing wealth and power to a degree that he can get away with things that normal people can't get away with. So he's starting to become more corrupt as the movie goes on. So I feel like it is a bit of a commentary, too, that wealth and power corrupt people. Yeah. It's a absolute power corrupts absolutely type mm -hmm. thing um which i this just hit me and i hope it's written down on the uh part of the production thing so <coughs> this film the, the theme that they were shooting for was to reflect drug addiction I honestly didn't read this at all. <laughs> <laughs> I read it earlier. Uh, according to the Wikipedia, the themes of the film were written to reflect drug addiction and Stam used a drug addiction specialist to emphasize the parallels in Elliot's character arc. Stam wanted Elliot to grow assertive and strong and slowly become addicted to both the game and his new persona, which caused him to not notice the increasingly negative effects that they hmm. had on his life. There's an alternate ending. There are two endings. One of them's happy, which I'm guessing is the one that we see in the Netflix, and the other uh, you can see in the bonus content, if I remember correctly, uh, on the Blu-ray DVD special. So he had drug addiction in his mind when he set out to make the film. What do you think about that? I could see that. I mean, I don't know that I initially would have thought that myself. Like becoming but... that selfish and just pulling in that much more and isolating and killing and... I think if you're going to compare it to drug addiction, I don't know that you can necessarily say it's selfish. I think people that are in the throes of addiction don't know that that's how they've become. Well, neither did Elliot. Yeah, so, like, I don't think I initially got that sense, but I, I didn't guess... either. I just thought it was an interesting yeah, thing. And then I... we were debating the economic side of things, and maybe that was partially intentional as, all, yeah. as well, but... Maybe think, it's like big Pfizer, you know? <laughs> I think once you point it out, though, it is kind of obvious. Because, yeah, you can... And kudos to the main actor for not really having been in anything I was familiar with. Like, to see that transition in his personality as the movie carries on is actually very convincing. Like, he does legitimately seem like this meek, weak, like, unassertive character at the beginning. Yeah. And then... Like, as the movie carries on, he is very full of himself and very happy with his situation, even though Just he's like doing... his drunken father. Yeah, he's... even though he's doing these terrible things. I thought that was... I thought that was really interesting. That... Uh, 
like the economic tit and the drug tit like are the same sort of thing mm -hmm. like the things that consume your life also corrupt your life yeah or as Chuck Palahniuk says the things that you own end up owning you I'm sorry, my beers just hit me. <laughs> I honestly, I mean, we're having a bit more of a serious discussion about this. That's all right. Me, we're drinking. You get drunk off one beer, you're two beers in. I'm honestly, six uh, beers in. well done movie. I have what? next to no complaints about this movie. Like, my only kind of, uh, if I was going to mm -hmm. go the other direction and be like, I would have maybe worked on this a bit, is. Um, it is a little confusing who all is actually involved in the game, and maybe they want it to be kind of ambiguous and feel like it's this broad network of people that are everywhere. I don't buy that this was set in America and there's so many cameras. You brought that up, and I thought that was a brilliant fucking point. Can you explain where you thought this should have happened? Because I agree with you 150 fucking well, percent. I've never been to England, but you and I have discussed before... Yeah how there are a lot of cameras in England and they have, what is it, CCTV? It's CCTV. Yeah. It's on so, every single street corner. Yeah. It's how the cops have such a great success rate with response. It's the one thing yeah. about England that terrifies both me and George Orwell. Yeah. It's a social estate where they know your every fucking move and that would have been the move. Yeah, and to me, I feel like that would have made it... A little bit more believable. It would have been a third level of commentary. Especially if they have cops and stuff on the payroll, then these rich people are just paying people who are already monitoring these channels anyway to kind of monitor their quote-unquote yeah. contestant. So, I don't believe that... Which, I mean, I've never been to... Was it set in New Orleans, or was it set in... I don't remember. Saskatchewan? My tongue lost me there. <laughs> I think it's that... I don't remember. It was set in a city, I'm pretty sure, that I had never been yeah, to. It was, so. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. New Orleans might have been the one. So maybe that city has a bit more surveillance than I'm aware of. No, because Katrina hit, so I doubt that they have the funding for cameras yeah, on every street I, corner. I don't think any city in America really has as many cameras as this. Yeah, we're on the way to facial recognition type Like, if the whole shit. movie had been set in Walmart, I would have been, like, yeah. believable. But you could have but. easily <laughs> have set, outside of the gun, you could have easily set this movie in London. Actually, we didn't necessarily need a gun. The brother that's handicapped stabs him, he has a knife, so we could have used a different weapon than uh -huh. a gun. Um, so yeah, we could have easily solved that problem. You wouldn't have the very dramatic him shooting the cop in the head moment. Uh, but yeah, I just I, I, I didn't buy that this was... But he could have stolen the gun from the cop at the diner. That could have been... Do cops carry guns in England? Uh, certain cops. Hmm. So yeah, I like... That's my, my minor complaint. I don't buy that this was set in America with how much surveillance was happening. Uh, maybe a little less ambiguous about who was who in the game. And then I do not buy period that any woman that's getting married to any man is chill enough that she would have just not bothered to contact him at all. <laughs> yeah, if I'm in the throes of making $60,000, I am calling you up and being like, hey, love, um, I need to go to California for a weekend, uh, but I will explain everything when I get well, back. I wouldn't ghost you for the entire weekend. I'd just be like, we can't talk about what I'm doing right now. We can talk about it when I get home. Well, he tells <laughs> her he's working on a surprise for her and then just ditches her with super racist dad and then... Doesn't talk to her the entire time and shows up again at the little wedding dinner yeah. thing and... Doesn't answer any of her questions. 
And they, well, she doesn't really ask any either, though. And the cops like he, show up. <laughs> she, like, briefly asks him, like, where he got his jacket from, and he brushes the question off entirely, and then just ditches her again. And for a huge chunk of the movie, he has his actual cell phone. Like, he does toss it, or he loses it after he breaks out of the police building. But other than that, he has his cell phone the whole movie, and his fiance never once calls him. Yeah. And I'm calling bullshit on that. Calling bullshit on that. I'm not <laughs> no calling bullshit on the woman. chair. I'm not calling bullshit on the chair shot, though. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> like, no Fuck woman. you, bitch. No <laughs> woman who's about to get married to a dude that just suddenly starts ghosting her and is suspicious that he's getting cold feet is not calling his ass up. Like, are you having an affair? Yeah. There's going to be a long argument, at the very least, at the end of that entire situation. And the end of the movie she's just like oh you got hey, out of jail welcome, welcome home what was the big surprise oh uh, my brother and dad are dead well she knew he had gone to jail for the whole thing at the like dinner party and she didn't go to the jail to like try to bail him out she was just like oh so i heard you made bell like, like, I'm a drinker and I have a temper, but you would leave me in jail for the weekend if that happened to you. <laughs> and I you'd might be leave very you in jail upset. until you made your own bill. <laughs> like, good luck, son. <laughs> That'd be so biz. I, I would need, like, a month's worth of coaxing after you disappearing for, like, several days to not buy that you were having an affair on me right and before the wedding. And not come home with yeah. $6.2 million? Like, that's the only issue is the last five fucking minutes. It's like, it, it, it doesn't feel real. Like, it, it doesn't... So it much of the movie feels real. Like, I feel like it could happen because I've met schizophrenics. I'm a magnet for schizophrenics. You've seen it yourself. They find me. I don't know where they come from. I've probably talked to more of them than our listeners have ever talked to a schizophrenic unless you work in a mental hospital. I'm a smoker. I have crazy eyes. They love me. They come up. They tell me their theories. I love schizophrenic people. <laughs> it's not that it doesn't feel real to me. It feels like a rom-com. Like, rom-coms start out... Uh, the relationship with the wife? I was talking about the character in the world. Well, no, I'm talking about the ending of the movie in oh, general. Oh, okay, okay. Um, it feels like a rom-com because, you know, rom-coms start out where you kind of get to know the characters... And then all these absurd situations happen yeah. that add all this tension between the characters. But then at the tell end in the movie, we wrap it up with a little bow and everybody goes home happy. Mm-hmm. Um, that can't happen in horror. And granted, dad and brother are dead at the end of this movie. And the character is clearly a changed, traumatized character at the end of this movie. But we wrap it up with just a... He's on the phone talking to his wife, and thank God his wife didn't fall for the same thing he fell for, and he's going to go home to his wife, even though he's on a bench bleeding because he's been stabbed. A bunch. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it feels like the same thing they do in rom-coms. We've wrapped this movie up and put a little bow on it, and that's the end. And it's not necessarily that I don't find it believable. Um, it feels like pandering, though, like you're giving the audience a happy ending so that they can walk away and feel good on some level and that's why i think i'd be interested in the sadder ending and the blu-ray mm-hmm. like I'd, I'd like to see well, this is nihilistic ending that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean sad but it's just selfish yeah like I, I would love to see that exit you know mm-hmm. and i don't want to buy the dvd for the three and a half minutes that mm-hmm. i didn't get to see but i might look it up on youtube later and see if anybody's posted what that was because I, I i didn't like the last five I didn't dislike it, I just... Like, it works kind of because you get the funny ostrich scene at the beginning, but at this point in the film, at the very end, it's 
horrifying <laughs> what he's been driven to and coming home and hysterically laughing it's not like the joker you know <laughs> where he's like giggling on the bus you know you i don't know it doesn't match the rest of the film and he doesn't he doesn't realistically beat the corporation that's running this either. Yeah. Like, he kills the one cop who's like, oh, I'm just one of the blue-collar workers. He's out of debt, because yeah. now he's got to bury his dad and his brother. So, <laughs> I don't, I don't find it totally believable that he walks away from this and screws these people over and they don't retaliate, because... The cop that's kind of the cleanup man has already gotten rid of all of the records, so we've gotten rid of all of his um, criminal charges, so he's going to walk away from all of these crimes he's committed without being punished, yeah. but just in the same level of death that he was in already. And I don't buy that a bunch of really rich people that like seeing people suffer are going to be satisfied with that. They're going to be like, we're going to come back and bury you. Yeah, it's over for so, you. Yeah. You know too much. He would have to become... The, the guy and the, the crazy binder. dude in the trailer. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I don't think there is a real happy ending to this movie. Um, so it's not necessarily that I find that final moment unbelievable. It's just like, I don't think that's really where this movie ends. Yeah. It, I don't know. Maybe an extra half hour. Do you think an extra half hour would have worked? I would have, he said I would have just left it ambiguous. He thought he... Right there. He's bleeding out on the floor. His wife calls... He picks up the phone, we, we see the folded if, fly, and then cut to black. Yeah, Fuck we don't you. know if he's going to have to repeat the past, what, was it 36 hours all over again? Yeah. But just because his wife's stirring shit up. And that's not to say that we didn't thoroughly enjoy it. Again, this was one of my favorite fucking two stars that we've done since Zombievers and the one about the clown when he hits his head against the dishwasher knife a bunch of times. I fucking love that one. Stitches. <laughs> um, but it's not to say that it's a bad film. It's a bad last five minutes. If I had one critique, one takeaway, I'd be like, I loved this fucking thing front to back except for the clothes. What are your takeaways? Where would you put this thing? I'd probably give it a good 80%. I mean, it's a really solid I'm right movie. there with you. 80 to 85. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know I'd go any higher just because I, I walk away having questions and feeling like maybe we skipped some stuff just so we could have like heightened action in the movie. Like, this movie doesn't drag by any means. But I, I feel I feel like we skipped some things that might have been a little more realistic and a little more important just so we can add to kind of the drama. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, solid 80. I, I have a few questions where I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know if that's really what I would have done. But Yeah, but not so blatant that they're like, ah, it's unbelievable. It's just the holes that weren't technically filled in. Like, there's not like a plot hole, plot hole, you know, that I can envision. I feel like they wrapped it up with a bow. I feel like they gave us the breadcrumbs that led us to the end of finding out about the father. Um, and the cop is the clean-up guy. Like, you're questioning the whole time. Is he against the organization, with the organization? Well, I didn't. Like, I disagree with that. Like, I did not realize the cop was going to be a bad guy until the tail end when we see him open the trunk and see the conspiracy dude's dead body and he's yeah. burning the notebook. Like, I legit believe, because they're so in your face about it the whole movie, 
that the cop was just a cop because the other dude keeps like accusing him of working with them so like to me that was kind of them kind of covering that angle of like they're poking fun at themselves yeah. like oh like he works for them and it's like no he's just a regular cop and then like come to find out oh he works for them I thought it was smart it was smart you I'm ready smart. to go eat some you're, you're the smartest person I've ever met you ready to go eat some spaghetti mm-hmm. are you mad at me no I'm just tired do you love me no Yes. That's offensive. <laughs> uh, you guys, uh, if you have any opinions uh, or things that we need to further discuss, or even better, a film that you want us to watch, you can send us an email at nightmareboxproductions at gmail. Or you can go to our inactive Twitter at. I tweet sometimes. We'll, we'll tweet. At nightmareboxpro. Or uh, go look at all our fancy pictures at Instagram over at. At nightmareboxproductions. Or our website. Uh, the Where you can see behind the scenes pictures, you can see the three films that Kristen and I have completed together, and pretty soon you'll see some sort of a challenge. Where I'm working my ass off for all of September, so it's probably not going to change too terribly much right now. <laughs> or you can swing on over to youtube.com slash Kristen Bloom. You're goddamn right. She fixed the last name, so I couldn't make fun of her anymore. <laughs> Used to be Kristen Pennington, currently Kristen Bloom, um, where you can see the films that she did before she joined the Nightmare Box. As YouTube is? Uh, YouTube.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. Where you can see the dolls, you can see Happy Birthday, you can see Brainstorm. And you'll be able to see our new film that we're currently trying to work our way through. Um, I think it'll be apropos. I don't think COVID's going anywhere. I don't think the race riot's going anywhere. Or this dark, dark cloud that seems to be setting over our country right now. So our film should still work. Um, <laughs> anything else, love? Mm, I think that's everything. Is oh, Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. Hit us up over there, and also, if you've got, uh, if you want to buy The Madman Diaries, you can find that on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, way overpriced, or you can hit us up with the email address we gave you earlier, and for $10, I'll send you that book. A couple of them have beer stains. I'll sell those for 15 Either way, they'll be signed and sent to you, even if it's a loss for me. And uh, hopefully soon we can get an interview going. I've got a guest that I'm really wanting to get on, but we have to figure out the technical things with the Zooms, uh, considering I've never done that before. Big things happening over at the Nightmare Box, and I'm happy you guys are sticking around. So, I love you, sweetheart. I love you. I love you more. Love you most. I love you even more than that. No. No. Probably not. All right. <laughs> and I love you guys, and we'll talk to you on Saturday. Yeah. 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 I remember syrup sandwiches and crumble allowances. You're going to hit us with a copyright claim. You keep on. If I keep... No, I'm allowed to like no. syrup sandwiches. You and can't. You can't sing. I'm allowed to remember my syrup sandwiches no. and crumb allowances. Is that not just French toast? No. It's a sandwich. It's not I toast. Feel like, it's just yeah, I feel like you syrup. bake some bread and put syrup on it, and you've got French toast, and that's much tastier than bread and syrup. Just, these I'm going to have to take you to the ghetto. These like, are you, facts. You, 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 French toast is better than bread and syrup. It is, but 
Get you an egg, because eggs are cheap. Make some French toast. Parents in the ghetto are not responsible enough to make breakfast for their kids, so they're syrup sandwiches and crumb allowances. Crumbs. Allowances. Kendrick Lamar's a G. All right, I love you guys. (laughs) I love you, sweetheart. I love you. You ready for Skitty Night? Yeah. Skitty Night. It'll be all right. Oh, yeah.